Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast. SOS number five. This is I our think. fifth episode? I think it's our fourth. Our fourth. Number four. Our yes, fourth it's, episode. It's a movie Tuesday today. We're going to talk about movies on Tuesdays. Uh, a bright night turned into a cold and frosty morning. And as I lay snoring, I woke up and realized that the weatherman did not give me a warning. <laughs> Yeah, that's your story. Uh-huh. I was prepared for a nice, warm day. The weatherman lied to me. And uh, it's it's pretty cold outside here in Colorado. Yep. Light snow, though. Light snow. Other parts of the country have heavy snow. Yeah. I can still complain about it, though. Why not? Let's see. 19 degrees. That's pretty cold. Yeah. Yep. I like how, uh, you know, Colorado's not that bad. Um, NAM, they just had virtual NAM, uh, the North American Music Merchants uh, Convention. And I remember a couple of years ago I went out there, or maybe it was a different, it was January in L.A. And so it's like 55 degrees in the morning. I'm sitting out having a coffee outside. People are like, what are you doing out there? It's freezing. And it's like, it's 55 degrees out here. It's nice. Uh, <laughs> but then you tell someone, you know, oh, yeah, it was so cold in Colorado today. It was 19. They're like, I'm from Minnesota. It was negative 10. You don't know anything. You know, so everyone's trying to one-up themselves with the, uh, yeah. the the climate. So I'm sure that in California they say, yeah, these people from Colorado, they're like, what are you talking about freezing? It's 55 degrees. But they don't understand. It is cold. If you're used to 70 every day, 55 is cold. Well, when we were in uh, Hawaii, remember? Mm-hmm. In Maui, uh, a little breeze came through, and I think it went from like 78 down to 71 degrees. And the natives, they, they put on uh, parkas. I said, <laughs> what are you doing? I said, it's cold. Got a breeze coming through here. I said, 71 degrees. <laughs> That's my short sleeve shirt. Anyway, it's just what you get used to. Your body does get used to a certain uh, temperature, this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what are we talking about today, David? I saw a movie. Let's movie Tuesday. Oh, hold on. I should have queued this up beforehand. Let me see okay. if I, my computer can find it. Movie Tuesday. Uh, I have a little song. Dang it. Where is it? You know... While you're finding that, uh, uh-huh. movies are interesting because I still remember movies that I saw when I was younger and stories around the movies. It's just, it's a lot of people say, well, are movies uh, a reflection of our society or just define our society? I think it's a little bit of both. But uh, I still remember things I saw when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got it? I got it. It's a seven second song. This is, I'm going to play it in. This is okay. our Movie Tuesday theme song. You won't be able to hear it. Okay. It's time for Movie Tuesday. All right. It's time for Movie Tuesday. I could share movie this. Movie Tuesday. Do you, wanna, um, do you want me to share this so you can hear it? Uh, share screen with sound. Start sharing. I'm learning how to use all this stuff. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. It's time for Movie Tuesday. Did you hear it? I heard it. <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right. That's Movie Tuesday. Stop sharing. All right. Well, it's time for Movie Tuesday. I saw a movie recently that I want to talk about called Dolomite Is My Name. It was Ooh. on Netflix. Do you remember... Dolomite from the 70s? Is that- oh, yeah, I remember the name. I yeah, really that- do. I don't think I saw the movie, but I remember the name. I saw the movies in high school. I think I saw the second one first, uh, Dolomite 2, The Human Tornado. And they were funny. I remember thinking they were funny. And uh, unlike Shaft, there was a very amateurish quality to them, but that, was, that made them endearing. Well, this movie was the story behind that. Uh, Dolomite, Dolomite, Rudy Ray Moore, he played Dolomite. He was, you know, getting on in age. He's late 30s, early 40s, and he tried to be a musician, and that didn't work. And then he was sort of doing comedy at these little clubs. I'm going to ruin the movie. If you if you haven't seen it, Movie Tuesday will ruin the movie because I'm giving a full plot synopsis. 
Go for it, David. Uh, and basically, these bums come into his record store. He's working at a record store. And uh, he's telling jokes, but he's telling them in rhyme. And the people in the record store are cracking up. And he's like, I could use this in my comedy act. And so basically, he combined rhyming and having a completely filthy mouth. Every other word is MFR. And uh, very sexual topics. And so basically, in the 1970s, no one had thought to do that. You throw on a rap album now, and it's nothing but cussing and sexual topics. Uh, but back then, you know, people, their minds were blown that someone would get on stage and have such a, uh, you know, crass act. He, like, he wasn't a class act, he was a crass act. And people loved it. Uh, they went wild for it. And so he started making records, and his records did really well. They sold his comedy records. And then he decided, you know, I want to make a movie. And people said, you can't make a movie. It's too much. You don't know what you're doing. You don't have enough money. Well, he went all in. He sold the rights to his records back to the record company to get a loan to make the movie. And the movie, the process of making the movie was amateur hour. But he did it by hook or by crook, and he got the movie made. And then no one would distribute it. He couldn't find a place to distribute it at all. So he ran into that roadblock, and he was sort of consigned to the fact that he'd be touring to pay off his debts from the movie with his comedy albums. And he wasn't, so he was more broke than he was when he started the movie. But he eventually rented out a theater in Indianapolis at the suggestion of a DJ, and he sold it out because people wanted to see this movie. And an interesting thing, I'll go back to earlier in the film, they went to a comedy on uh, Christmas or something, and he's like, let's all go see a comedy. I want to see a comedy. And it was a Jack Lemon film, and it was dry wit, and they're talking back and forth, and there's all this banter, and Rudy Ray Moore leaves, and he's like, that movie sucked. There were no explosions. There were no boobs. There was no kung fu. Like, I want to make a movie with all of those things. Uh, that's what should be in a movie. So basically, he made what he wanted to see, and... Because it was so unorthodox, no one wanted to distribute it. And because it was so amateur, no one wanted to distribute it. But when he rented out the theater, he sold the place out. And uh, there was this pent-up audience, you know, in the black community. They wanted to see, a, you know, black heroes beating up the white guy uh, with kung fu and boobs and explosions and car crashes. There was this demand for it. And the movie did great once it finally got distributed. And it was sort of a tale of, and of course at the end, uh, his protege is this big fat black lady, Lady, I forget what her name is, Lady Reese, and then she plays Queen Bee in the movie, but she says, thank you, Rudy, you know, uh, I've never seen someone like me in a movie, and it, but I'm a real woman, and I'm up there on the screen finally, you know, someone like me, this big fat black lady is the lead woman in this movie, and uh, <laughs> it sort of played into, you know, representation of real life you know no one had ever put a big fat black lady as the lead of a movie before and it's interesting to me that all this stuff he just did it because he's like that's a good idea i want to do that 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 seems reasonable it seems like a reasonable thing for me to do and for everyone else in the world it was an unreasonable thing to do but he was thinking this is what i want to see and he persevered and he made it so the movie's a lot about like the entrepreneurial spirit the DIY ethos, um, you know, not quitting when someone tells you you can't do something. And I think people today, if they're going to say, oh, I would have succeeded if not for this or that or that, you know, I think there's less of a long shot today. Look at us. We're, we're communicating via video over the Internet. Uh, we can create something and distribute it to the entire world Uh you know, later today, it'll be on every podcasting service. Rudy Ray Moore had to fight tooth and nail. He had to make his own records because no one would press his records. So he had to fund his own first pressing. And then he got a record deal. He had to make his own movie. And then he got a distribution deal. But it all worked out for him. And even if it hadn't worked out, you know, they don't know whether or not the movie's going to be a success at the end. And they go to the premiere and it's crowded. But they say, you know, no matter what, we made a movie. And no one can take that away from us. And I think that that's kind. Of, it was a cool message. It was an endearing movie. Uh, it's a good message there about 
he did it because that's what he wanted to see and that's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think sometimes people spend way too much time, t- way too much time and effort and energy trying to satisfy someone else. Just do do what you what you like. Mm-hmm. And being told this isn't going to work, but he believed it would work. And the funny thing is he roped, because of his belief, he roped all of his friends, a bunch of people that probably didn't want to help him out, ended up helping him out because he was so passionate about what he was doing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They probably didn't believe in what he was doing that much, but they believed in him. Yeah. And uh, it's a good story. I think uh, like Steve Irwin, he said, you know, the key to anything in life, if you want to succeed, is enthusiasm. You know, anyone can know. It reminds me of, uh, remember that show Northern Exposure? Oh, yeah. Uh, The lady, her last name was Harper. She owned a general goods store. Uh, What was her name? I'm going to look it up because not knowing it. Uh, <laughs> Not knowing it bugs you. Yeah. Luann? I think it's Luann. Let me see. Yeah, I remember Northern Exposure. It was a quirky kind of show. It got even quirkier at the end. Uh, but at the beginning, it was it was unusual. It was interesting. It had it had pretty good messages uh, all the way through. Ruth Ann. Her name was Ruth Ann. Ruth Ann. Oh, yeah, Ruth Ann. Uh, but she had a son. Oh, and, yeah. And her son was an investment banker, and he'd run into some trouble or whatever. And so he's like, well, I'll come back to Sicily, Alaska. I've always been really good at tying flies. I'll start a fly tying shop because I'm good at that technical skill. And Ruth Ann talked him out of it because he didn't care about fishing. He wasn't passionate about fishing. It was just a skill that he had. And he said, you know, people go to the fly shop, the bait and tackle shop, not to get the world's best tied flies. They go there to chit-chat with other good old boys about fishing. Like, you, I don't think you understand. You think of it as a commodity. Well, if I have the best flies, everyone will come to my fly shop. But no one wants to go to a fly shop run by a guy that doesn't care about fishing. And I thought that was an interesting Ru- message. But Ruth Ann had another son. She had two sons. Remember the other son? Yeah. He was like an artist. He's sort of like yeah. a... And she considered him a success. An investment baker was a failure. He made more money, but he's not doing what my... He's not He's not doing something that's artistic. Well, the creative was guy what... was more uh, happy. He was more content in was life. Happy. Yeah, right. And she and considered that success. Yeah, that was her version of success. He was out there in the world. He was doing what he did. But he was being who he was. And the mm-hmm. investment banker was always, I think, like you said, don't be what other people expect you to be. The investment banker thought, if I make more money, I'll be better than everyone else. But he was unhappy yeah. because that wasn't who he was. It was just something he did. And he you know, some people some people want to make more money, and that's just that's just them. But then some people who are really lucky do something they love. And make money, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of nice that they can uh, uh, support that. But some people want to do things that it's not going to make them money. And I think, uh, as far as I'm concerned, people who have money should help those people do what they what they love to do. Well, I mean, and also I think that sometimes people have to fight to get it financed. Like Rudy Ray Moore. He, yep. he got hundred grand back in 1974 or whatever to make his movie from people that... 100% thought it wasn't going to work. <laughs> you know, and he put up his the rights to his albums as collateral because they were making money with the record label. They gave him 30 grand or whatever. And so he went out and he did whatever he could because he believed in himself. And had he not gotten a distribution deal, he would have bankrupted himself. But he would have done it in pursuit of... Uh, he was always trying to to do the next thing. Like, that's who he was. He was a filmmaker, you know? And he was a terrible filmmaker in his films. <laughs> or They were B-movies. <laughs> but he made yeah. them nonetheless. Well, that's the thing about people. Uh, you, um, 
you can you can take a perfect plan, a perfect plan. And people who don't believe in it, people who are not good, people who are are not invested in it. Uh, I'll just say bad people can make a good plan fail. But you can take a mediocre plan, even a bad plan. But if you had good people, passionate people, they can make any plan work because they're going to make it work because of their passion. So bad people can make a good plan fail and bad people can make I mean, good people can make a bad plan uh, successful. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is the people, you know, people are pretty powerful. I like, and and the, the, the power is the passion. Mm -hmm. I like uh, also success doesn't really make you a guru. I like <laughs> I like Jeff Bezos. You know, it's tough to say. There's people that say, oh, he's ruining everyone. You know, he treats his workers poorly. He spies on his customers and X, Y, Z. And it's like, that all may be true, but Amazon's convenient for me. Uh, but I like what he said when he was asked about his vast fortune and the success of Amazon. He says, I won the lottery many times over. I had a good team. I had a good idea and I worked hard. And there were a hundred points where had I made a different decision, that would have seemed like the right decision at the time, Amazon wouldn't exist today. Uh, now, some people are going to try to tell you the secret to business is X, Y, or Z. But I'm telling you right now, the secret to success on the level that I've had, that's luck. Uh, and I, I'm, I think it's kind of cool that he has the humility to, to admit that. He's not a, I mean, he probably is a genius in terms of IQ, but... He understands there's a good chance that he could have failed. In fact, a much better chance he could have failed than be worth half a trillion dollars. I think a corollary to that is there's a lot of people that failed that are super smart and competent. And if luck was on their side, they would have been successful. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are really, really sharp, really smart, competent. Uh, but they don't see the success that they deserve uh, for their intelligence well, and, and capability. I, I also think, though, people, they some people fail because they don't just keep going. <laughs> you know, That's, like like that yes. guy, there's a guy, Greg Wells, he's a audio engineer. And he said, you know, there is no success or failure. There's I gave up or I didn't. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's words to live by. It is. Because if you like what you're doing, why quit? Mm -hmm. Just keep going. You might change how you do it or go in a different direction. But if you love what you're doing, uh, do it because you love it. Don't do it to be successful. I like doing this. Mm -hmm. I like doing this too. Yeah. Whether okay. people listen to us or not or get anything from it, hey, this is fun. This is good. We talk so much anyway. Why not? record it mm-hmm well but I can I often, I, go, go ahead. ahead no you go ahead i can remember i uh, i've told you this before and i'll say it online i wish i regret uh not recording my parents when they when i was younger mm-hmm uh i i got this uh reel to reel recorder and i said i want to record you guys and they go okay and so uh, i said okay uh uh before World War II, when you guys uh, were, were dad, when my dad, when you were preparing for World War II and getting ready and and you were training here in the United States and you went to Watertown and Virginia and and uh, mother, you followed him around. Uh, where'd you guys stay? You know, oh, we stayed here. No, we didn't here. No, we stayed. Here. No, no, we went up. No, remember that tobacco bar? No, no. Wait a minute. And they start arguing about it. <laughs> and they're mad. That's just their personality. No, that wasn't there. That was down here. No, that was up there. No, that was down here. And I said, you know, forget it. <laughs> I'm not getting anywhere. I turned it off. And I quit. And just like your day in saying, David, I quit. That was failure. It wasn't the argument. I would love to have had that today. And let them duke it out and say, hey, well, maybe it was Watertown in Virginia. Maybe it was Virginia in Watertown. But that's where we trained. Uh, and that's where we went. And my mother says, yeah, us, they, they were in their early 20s. 
uh, us girls would get together, uh, who are our husbands who were in the military, and we'd follow them around from this fort to that fort to that fort before they got deployed over to uh, Europe. My dad went went to North Africa and then went to Europe and then to Italy. And I said, I wish I had recorded that. So I think what we're doing right here, David, I think is is good. Let's just not stop because we'll, we'll probably get stories, stories of your youth and stories of my youth. And today we're going to get stories of movies that we've seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I think it's a good thing. Well, I also think Everyone, you know, movies that you see can remind you of stories of your youth. That's, I mean, that's the power of stories. And for every Dolomite, there might be some guy that made a movie in the 70s, and it did bankrupt him. Or he showed it at a theater and nobody came. And he lost all of his money. But that's okay, you know? And yeah, you could have stuck with it and recorded your parents, and you wish that you had. I also think there's a virtue in saying, this isn't working, I'm going to do something else. You know, oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going to... I think whether it's I gave up or I didn't give up as uh, ethos, I think that's more... Like, I did this and it didn't work, and I kept doing it for 40 years. <laughs> you know, and it never worked. Uh, I, I think there's a virtue in saying, what's going to work? Or let's, let's find out something that will work. And, uh, like, doing something like this, I'm inspired to try to make it better. To try to make the graphics better on the video. Make the audio quality better. Uh, distribute it to every platform. And, you know, have a website, sonsofsequoia.com, and, and a YouTube channel, and maybe start streaming every morning so that there's a video record in addition to the audio record of these conversations. And it exists in a million places, and it'll basically be eternal because the Internet's forever. And, uh, you know, if we do this for a month or two months, there'll still be 20 conversations that we've had and 20 hours of uh, uh, um, oral history, really. That's right. Well, you can you can change directions, just don't stop moving. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what you're saying. Yes, definitely. Yeah, when you when you start moving in a direction, you might change directions here and there and here and there, but never, never stop moving. Just keep going, keep going, mm-hmm. and uh, and don't stop. Never stop. Never stop. Like just to draw from that movie one more time. He recorded albums in his 20s, and he thought he was going to be a big hit, and he wasn't. No one liked his albums. And then at the beginning of the movie, Rudy, Rudy Ray Moore, Dolomite, the beginning of the movie, he's doing a comedy routine. It's like a old and stale, like vaudeville-style stuff in the 70s. He's like, you know, I was on Broadway. Yeah, that's right. I was on Broadway. I was asking for a job, but I was there. I was on Broadway. But up, boom. <laughs> you know, that those types of jokes. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's not that he refused to, you know, I'm going to do this vaudeville-style jokes until it's successful. He said to himself, this isn't working. What if I took this Bums jokes and sort of spiced them up a little bit and, you know, did filthy jokes with rhymes? And that happened to work. So he, he didn't keep going on the thing that wasn't working. He sort of retooled until he found something that did work. Yep. Yep. And that's and that's what it, what you should do for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, never stop doing what you love to do and what you want to do. Uh, but also, uh, times change, things change, audiences change, and that's why you should keep going. Uh, as far as in, in the entertainment area, you should keep doing stuff. Oh, that's my fault. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I think also it's so easy to create a product these days. That uh, you should. You know, we can create an hour-long video every morning from 9 to 10. Or we can, you know, have an hour-long stream. We can have a broadcast every morning. You know, Jeopardy, I just read Alex Trebek's book. He did, whatever, 5,000 episodes. And I think that's pretty darn cool. You know? Like, and if you start doing something one hour a day, uh, you know, we do an episode one hour a day. We'll have a thousand episodes in three years, and that's phenomenal. A thousand hours of of conversations, of videos, of thoughts. You can sort of get a handle on who a person is, and also it'll exist in the world. Mm-hmm. 
We're creating something that didn't exist beforehand. That's sort of the power of technology these days. And I think, like you said, uh, you got to be moving, you know, you got to keep moving. Like one thing that you can do with these, this technology is use it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's sitting there. Use it. That's kind of what we talked about last time as far as vaccinations. They're there. Why wouldn't you use that? The technology is here. Why don't we use it? Yeah. And this so. is, I mean, I, I did a video recently talking about Beethoven writing the symphony about Napoleon. Yeah. And then Napoleon betrayed the revolution. And so Beethoven changed it and called it the heroic symphony. And here we are 200 some odd years later and people still put on that third Beethoven symphony. Nobody's putting on a Napoleon Bonaparte record. Uh, <laughs> You know, I was thinking of that, too, about music. And uh, when you think of classical music, uh, hundreds of years later, we're still listening to Mozart and Beethoven and Bach, you know, and they were good. But do we listen to them because they're good? Or do we listen to them because they were good and they generated hundreds and thousands of pieces of music that was good? Mm -hmm. They didn't stop. They kept going and kept going. I mean, uh, Mozart died when he was in his 30s, but he generated so much music, you know. Yeah. And so a lot of a lot of it is volume and uh, quality with volume uh, is is lasting. It's going to impact society. And we're still enjoying that today because there's so much of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there's a lot of good uh, composers back then, uh, but they might did two or three and they were great and they stopped. Uh, you don't hear about them. You don't know about them. So yeah. a lot of it is just don't stop. Don't stop. So if you if you have something that you really enjoy doing, go for it and do it. You'll be surprised. Uh, I think it'll help you define success. Uh, and other people will tell you what success is. But you have to define success for yourself. And success for you is what you love to do and you're never going to stop doing it. I think success for a person, a good a good test is that when you go to bed at night, do you think of it? When you get up in the morning, do you think of it? When nobody's watching, there's no accolades, there's no praise, you'll do that anyway because you love doing it. That's probably what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And just keep doing it because that makes you happy. I, I uh, you know, I teach uh, statistics and uh, Thomas Bayes talking about this. Uh, I guess we're telling the stories, right, David? We're telling uh, stories. Thomas Bayes. I love the story about Thomas Bayes. And I tell it in my classes all the time that Thomas Bayes was a statistician. But uh, when he was alive, he was a minister. And he really didn't. Uh, uh, well, he did statistics because he loved he loved statistics. When I say that, a lot of people go, what? How can anyone love statistics? Uh, well, he did. He loved it. It was intriguing to him. It was fascinating. It's, it, was, it was magical to him. And uh, I can see why, because I like it too. But, uh, but he was a minister because back then, statistics was not respected, but being a minister was respected. So he was a minister. But at night, when nobody was watching, nobody uh, gave him any support, any help, any money, he sat down by candlelight and he wrote statistics. He developed these, these equations and he solved different stat problems. He created different statistical theories. He proved them and he just did statistics. Uh, he never published it. But after he died, one of his really good friends, uh, who was a statistician, uh, got his works, looked at them and said, this is good stuff. No one's ever done this. And his friend published his work. And from that, today we have Bayesian statistics, and that Bayesian statistics is what what runs a lot of uh, streaming services on YouTube and and uh, and social media, and also with the, with the government. Yeah, it's how Facebook so that serves Bayesian, their ads. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a streaming type uh, 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 statistical analysis, and Bayesian and Bayes Thomas Bayes did that at night by himself, and he got zero benefit from that other than he just enjoyed doing it and he did it and he recorded it 
That's cool. No one paid him to develop it. Nope. He didn't. He wasn't expecting anyone to pat him on the back when he discovered some new technique. He just that's wanted. That's not to... why I did it. That's what I worry about. I mean, this is a t- complete tangent. Sorry to get off topic, but if someone has a laptop, you know, any laptop in the world can contain Bayesian statistics or Newtonian physics these days. You know, you could do research. I think because we're so interconnected, you'd probably end up sending your research. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Uh, because you're so interconnected, you'd end up sending your research around the world. You wouldn't just keep it to yourself like Bayes did. But I worry that there'd be some unfinished stuff on someone's laptop and they pass away. And you can't get into the laptop because it's password protected. And it just gets lost to history. Your papers aren't like the old days where you rifle through someone's papers and see what they were doing. They're all on a laptop or a computer that's password protected and the drive might be encrypted. And so how much stuff do we lose because that's the way we store information now? Mm-hmm. And then again, so much of our lives are lived online out in the open. I think a hundred years from now, people will be able to come back and hear the conversation that we had at nine in the morning on January 26th, you know, <laughs> in 2150, someone will be like, what were those Harpers talking about on January 26th at nine in the morning? And they could come back and listen to this. And that's kind of amazing as well. That's right. So I think it that, a- I, I think that, uh, I guess that what I'm saying is the moral of the story is Bayes never published. He just did it because he loved it. But uh, publishing these days is very easy. It's not like the old days. You didn't need to find a printing press or a journal. Even if it's not peer-reviewed, you can put the stuff out there and have persistence with your work. You know, it'll persist through time, not be persistent at your work. Your work is persistent by virtue of putting it on the Internet. So I would encourage everyone to do that. (laughs) If they've done something novel, put it on the Internet. Well, Bayes did publish it. He just didn't publish it publicly. Okay. He wrote it down privately. (laughs) And so it was right there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so even though you do something on the internet, uh, you put something out there uh, uh, with a stream or with a YouTube, just because you do it and nobody sees it, you're publishing it. And that's, I think that's what you're saying. That's what you should do. Record all this stuff. Record it. Because it's a big world out there. It's a big world. And whatever you do, there's going to be someone who wants to hear about it. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, you're going to say something that someone would want to know. Uh, it's like that podcast I heard the other day. I was telling you about a Sunday. The New York Times Daily Briefing about the guy that took a sabbatical to Rome. And... The skies were so clear, and he missed clouds. And uh, from he went from London, London to, to Rome. Rome. He missed, London is cloudy all the time. <laughs> yeah, he missed the clouds. So yeah. during a sabbatical, he thought, you know what? I miss clouds. I love clouds. He started the Amateur Cloud Appreciation Society. Well, he put up a website, and he put up a mechanism for people to join and then post their pictures of clouds. And the fascinating thing is, uh, you know, it got some press coverage just because it was interesting. But he thought, well, it's going to be it's not really a society. If anyone can join, I need to be selective. I need to legitimize it by charging money for it. So he charged fifteen dollars to become a member of the society. And all it was was just membership on this website. And he got uh, thousands, thousands of people join the society. Uh, 10,000 people. I mean, that's $150,000 a year he's making <laughs> off of his Cloud Appreciation Society just because he thought this should exist. And then the whole story was um, on the Cloud Appreciation Society, this lady took a picture of this crazy cloud in Australia. And she said, I don't know how to classify this. And I think I'm the first person ever to see it. And they went through and they said, no. Three or four people have seen this phenomenon. And it was like a cloud that had already been classified, but it was just so much bigger and badder. 
They said, I think this should be its own cloud type. And so they tried to figure out how to make it its own cloud type. And they had to go to the World Meteorological Society and petition to make it a cloud type. Um, and the guy, he, he didn't fight hard, but because the Royal Amateur Cloud, or the Amateur Cloud Society was so passionate about it, they took it up as their passion project. Uh, they kept petitioning the, Royal Medi- the World Medi- Meteorological Society. And they finally came down with a ruling. They wanted to call it Amanitas or whatever. That was what they wanted to call the cloud type. But they called it Amanatas because Latin verbs are cloud or cloud type. Latin or Latin adjectives are cloud type. Latin nouns are a subset of a cloud type. So oh. they didn't give it a type. It wasn't a new type of cloud. It was a subset of the cloud that it looked like. It was just bigger than. And so they're like, yeah, it was kind of a bittersweet resolution, but they did acknowledge our cloud. <laughs> well, they were true to, they were they had to be true to their taxonomy. Uh-huh. But they but they did give him what he wanted, a name. Yeah. As part of documented within their taxonomy. Yeah, and it was just sort of like these people it wasn't like fighting tooth and nail for this. They're like, wouldn't it be nice if this cloud that we discovered was its own type? And the World Meteorological Society that's tougher to say than you might think. Meteorological. Uh, they said, you know, we don't add clouds to the types very often because we think we've got them all. You know, we've been the the World Meteorological Society for 200 years. We don't think we missed any clouds. Uh, And there's sort of this cockiness, like, we didn't miss anything. Like, this existed before. We knew about this. But in this size and scope... It's like this cloud, it's just bigger. So we'll give it a, it's a subset of this cloud, you know? Well, my experience, from my from my experience, and I guess from what I believe, you got to be careful when you say we've seen it all, because I'm almost 99.9999% sure they haven't seen all the clouds. No. they You haven't seen all the phenomenon. You haven't, there's things... Yeah, they see clouds, but but how do clouds form? They cloud the clouds form above uh, the surface of the earth, and uh, so have they. Uh, and also the weather, right? Mm-hmm. But have they seen all of the weather, uh, the interaction between the cloud and the surface of the earth uh, in, in Antarctica, you know, and all the seasons? And so no, they haven't. Uh, so you have, and also. Uh, clouds are weather, and weather is uh, influenced by uh, the uh, Earth's rotation, but also the seasons. Which is, the seasons are influenced by uh, by our atmosphere. The atmosphere is influenced by, uh, I guess I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but that's influenced by uh, solar winds, and the solar winds are influenced by the uh, sunspots, and they change all the time. And that's why our weather changes. Uh, so you're not gonna you're not gonna see everything. There's gonna be you're gonna see one in a billion types of uh, phenomenons in the Earth. And there's been a lot of recordings say, "Look at this! Look at this! That's not real! That's not real!" It could be real. There could be a scientific explanation for it. But if you don't see it, you've never been able to explain it scientifically. Yeah, it's happening. See, I saw like to bring it all back home. <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs> I saw the Amateur Cloud Appreciation Society or group as like Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite. And the World Meteorological Society was the movie distributors that wouldn't give him distribution because he didn't do things the right way. He didn't produce through a studio. He didn't. uh, But they were enthusiastic about this. And the people that sort of the gatekeepers said, no, we're not going to give it to you. But. At the end, the guy that started the society said, you know, I'm not, I'm not upset about not getting a type and only getting a subtype because um, I mean, yeah, I learned the taxonomy when I, when I got into clouds. I learned, you know, stratus, cumulus, nimbus, cumulonimbus, and it helps me, you know, sort of uh, classify clouds. But I think there's nothing more foolish than trying to put a taxonomy on the most ephemeral thing on our on our planet Earth. 
these balls of gas that look like solids, like that they can take any form and shape. People can see, you know, dinosaurs or or spaceships in their form, like they are literally uh, these formless blobs of moisture. And it's kind of cocky to think like, well, we can classify all of them. <laughs> and it's like, that's kind of a good point, too. Very good point. Yeah. Because when you classify them somehow, and our human mind thinks uh, we know all about them. Mm-hmm. And we don't. We don't know about we We know a lot, but we don't know everything. And I mean, classification helps. Uh, helps with understanding, but a lot of times it's trivial, you know? Yeah, you can go into my minutia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was looking at Canadian geese the other day. We have a lot of Canadian geese here. And uh, they were flying overhead and they just almost almost blacked out the sky. Canadian geese, I'm thinking, I wonder what, I wonder what, how many different species there are of Canadian geese, if that's only one. I looked it up and, oh, my goodness, there's all different kinds of Canadian geese. You know, and then I began to realize, ah, oh, yeah, it's probably true of everything. They have they have a main a main at the top of the the tree, and then it just starts spreading out. Uh, just really small differences. Hmm. But but one value of that is that you learn about it, and so you respect it. You respect uh, clouds. You respect you respect nature, and and uh, there's so much there's so much going on. I also think, I mean, this was the early days of the internet. He started the site in 04 or something. There's, it's, you shouldn't say, that's something that you could do in 04. Yeah, starting a website that takes off, maybe. But there's more you can do now. Like, if you're enthusiastic about something, you can find a group of people that are also enthusiastic about that in this world. And I think that's one cool thing about the internet. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I was. I. Uh, well, you should do it because there's going to be someone who's going to like it. Yeah. Someone. There's a lot of people out there. You might think you're alone, but you're not. There's a lot of people like you. There's a lot of people will like what you like. Yeah, and he put up this website, and people could post pictures of their favorite clouds, and he thought it's meaningless unless you have to pay to be in the society. So he put a fifteen dollar price tag on it. He got ten thousand people to pay it. <laughs> because there's a lot of people out there that's like, I don't want to be a meteor- meteorologist. I mean, the weatherman lies every single day. He's the bad guy. But you can appreciate clouds without being a member of some meteorological society. It's, you know, I mean, and there is no commitment. You don't really have to learn about the types. You can just take a walk and look into the sky and like what you see. And then... You can go on a message board and say, I liked what I saw today. Or post a picture of it and say, isn't this pretty? And other people will be like, yeah, I'm halfway around the globe and I saw this today. Isn't that pretty? And you could say, yeah, and that's enough. You don't really, <laughs> you don't really need anything else. Yeah, it's surprising because like uh, same with nature, like bird watching, bird watchers, people who watch birds. You know, when I was younger, I thought, why would you go around and look at a bird, you know? But then (laughs) I've, (laughs) you know, yeah, it's a bird. So what? Uh, But then when I got older and and I had had uh, experiences, well, what uh, altercations with birds, (laughs) you know, and I've uh, dealt with uh, uh, what's the word? I've dealt with birds and I guess altercations. And uh, I go, wow, you know, that these birds have personalities. Uh, I, I can I can see why people, and there's all different kinds, uh, and there's different personalities, and and uh, it's very very interesting uh, what some of these birds can do. So I can see why people would look at birds now, and that is just and I can broaden that. I can see why people look at anything. Yeah, because everything's fascinating to a human if you open your eyes and look at it. Mm-hmm. And people like to get into the the nuts and bolts of things. I, mm-hmm. I'll always remember, uh, I saw a video and this guy, he has a web, uh, YouTube channel called star Wars theory. And, uh, this girl was interviewing him and he's an American guy. And, uh, she said, okay, can you name three 
senators from the Galactic Senate in Star Wars? He's like, of course I can. Bail Organa, Emperor Palpatine, and Senator Amidala. And she goes, good, good. Now, can you name three senators from the United States Senate? And he says, uh, <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> That's great. So he cared about Star Wars enough to know who the political leaders were in Star Wars, but he didn't care about America enough, the country that he lived in, to know who the political leaders were in his own country. <laughs> And I thought that uh-huh. was that's a fascinating example of if you're laser focused on something, you're going to miss out on other things. But that doesn't necessarily mean that your focus is a bad thing. I think that if that's who you are, that's what, like going back to what we we're saying. If that's who you are, if that's what you love, if that's what you want to do, if you want to be an expert on Star Wars and you do it at the expense of knowing who your senator is, that's fine. You have that choice. There'll be plenty of other people know who the senators are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We need everybody, because uh, everyone plays off of each other. You take a, you know, an MSNBC or The Hill political strategist, and they know everyone in uh, Capitol Hill, and they think that politics is the most important thing, and you plop them down in the middle of a Star Wars convention, they're not going to have anything to talk about <laughs> with these people. Yeah. And these Star Wars people will say, these people don't know anything, and they're boring. <laughs> so it really really depends on uh, what you're interested in, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think you have to apologize for being interested in anything. I think you can own you can own your interests and just be proud of them. Like you can say, um, I thought of this too, uh, talking about. Are talking about uh, movies, but if you talk about plays, like uh, who wrote uh, who wrote Macbeth or The Twelfth Night? Uh, Yeah, Shakespeare. Right, right. I thought you were asking me to give you a question. No, you can ask anyone that, and they'll know. Oh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. They'll quote Shakespeare, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can say, well, who wrote? Who invented uh, linear programming and optimization? You know, and they go, uh, uh, don't know, don't care. <laughs> but do we use that? We use that every day. It influences our lives. George Danzig did. George, and so it's fascinating where the interests lie, even in society. Now, if you go to a mathematical society. Uh, and you ask them, you know, who who uh, who invented uh, uh, optimization and uh, constrained linear programming? They go, oh, George Danzig did. Yeah, out of Princeton. Oh, okay. Well, the it's fascinating that that there's all different types of interests, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to have their own. And that's not to say that your interest is important and theirs is not important. Or theirs is important and yours is not important. It's all important. I guess that's where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. It says, whatever you're interested in, just be interested in something <laughs> and go for it. Yeah. Because, and just, whatever you do, be good at it and be an expert in it, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like, it, like it, going back to Steve Irwin, like the key to success is enthusiasm. He, when he hung out with those crocodiles, he was pretty enthusiastic. I think that no one's going to take that away from him. That's true. And uh, you could ask him questions about who are senators in the Star Wars Galactic Federation. He wouldn't be able to answer them. But that doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know. He did what he did and he was enthusiastic about it. So, like, it's like what you say. Whatever you do, do it with flair. Yeah. Your, your classic quote. Whatever you uh, do, do it with flair. <laughs> <it's>, I think... <laughs> That sort of speaks to what we're talking about. If you're going to do something in life, do it with flair. Have a little, like, you know, put your spin, own spin on it and have enthusiasm about it because that will translate to other people. So when they watched the Steve Irwin show back then, did you watch that because you love to look at crocodiles? <laughs> no. You wanted to see him and his enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. 
he he was he was toxic. He just he would just uh, just love to see him because he just loved what he did. Yeah, intoxicating, not toxic, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Into- I'm sorry. I'm intoxicating. Yeah, Thank he was you. he was a good guy, not a bad guy. No, he was a good guy. Intoxicating. <laughs> I mean, he you love watching him. It just made you happy with him. You identified with him. Intoxicating. But anyway, that's why you watched it because of him, not because of what he did. And, and by the way. Uh, that's a lot in, in, in so much of, uh, performing arts. People will love seeing you because you love what you do. Mm-hmm. That's why you keep loving. That's why you do what you love. To me, that's success. Doing what you love and you keep doing it and, and whatever you do, do it with flair. Yeah. Right, right David? Maybe that should be the title of this. Uh, it'll, it'll be Movie <laughs> Tuesday, but Movie, Movie Tuesday, Tuesday number one. But Maybe we'll talk about flair next time. <laughs> whatever you do, do it with flair. I'm sure that'll make another appearance in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think this has been a pretty good discussion. I like it. Uh, I like it. So every Tuesday, we'll think of a new movie to, to talk about? Plenty of movies. Plenty of movies. My my favorite movie, one of one of my favorite movies is, is Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. We'll have to talk about Forrest Gump and some of the... Some of the Quotes from Forrest Gump, yeah. and you and I watched one. You you clued me into one. Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, I like that. I think if 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 we talk about it, other people can should should look at that and talk about it. It was really interesting. There's a lot of movies out there, David, that we can mm-hmm. talk about. Every Tuesday. Every, every Tuesday. I like should, it. Should I play the theme song again? Yeah. All right. I don't know why I closed out this, but um. Let me play it so that you can hear it. And then I think uh, we could call this an episode, don't you? I think so. Let's hear the music. Okay. It's time for Movie Tuesday. Yay! Yay! Movie Tuesday! <laughs> Movie Tuesday. Um, yeah, let's call this an episode. This is number four. Yeah, number four. SOS number four. Thanks SOS for tuning in. Quattro. Uh, we'll have a website, sonsofsequoia.com, with uh, information about the stuff, uh, affiliate links that you can use to help us out. And uh, we'll be on YouTube soon, streaming every morning from 9 to 10 uh, Mountain Standard Time. So that's 11 to noon Eastern and 8 to 9 Pacific. Um, and we're available wherever you get your podcasts. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll talk to you in the next one. Bye.